Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ekruel Dubai. to say that our studio guest uh, this week is Lee Mottishead, journalist, columnist from the Racing Post, author as well. Yes. Um, uh, is that news I read this week, breaking news, that the Racing Post isn't going to publish any more books, that the, the, the public publication side of things has been sold off? Well, it's been... Will you have to be going with your cap in hand elsewhere <laughs> to other publishers in the well, future? There still will be racing books, and I'm delighted to say the Racing Post annual was my favourite Racing Post book of the year, is just out now. Um, but I think as a lot of businesses are doing at the moment, I think we've had to look at uh, areas where we can most expect to make a profit to keep the business healthy. And the books division, as enjoyable as it's been to be part of, doesn't make as much in the way of, of so it's profit. Been sold. But, but it will continue via pitch publishing. So basically what will happen is there's a, a, a really successful publishing company called Pitch Publishing. Racing Post has done a deal with them and they will publish a number of Racing Post books under license, including the annual, which is out now. We've got um, one of Available in good and bad bookshops. All, all bookshops, wherever you want, you can get those. It's really great. Edited by Nick Pulford. Quite a few bits by my good self in there as well. So oh really? Any, yeah. any bits that you particularly stick in the mind that you think are particularly good I did enjoy writing the story that I'll of, enjoy after my Christmas stocking is delivered yeah well I did enjoy enjoy writing the story of enables year all right uh, and we've also got a few of the racing post best bits of the year so my highlight of the year all was right. going to see Mick Easterby for an right. interview uh, he was inspired by them so yeah we've, we've got that in there as well we've got an enable book coming out quite soon and you'll get the normal racing post diaries desk calendars and into next year we've got lots more books planned okay I think you've earned your fee there yeah, yeah, and I, I love I Thank love you. I love a corporate guest Thank and you. Uh, I'll tell you what that's with a capital C uh, and a capital G but uh, no great great to see you on this weekend which um, in terms of racing at Haydock the uh, what well, racing everywhere but particularly yeah. at Haydock it was a bit on the gloomy side weather wise uh, but uh, Bristol may absolutely shone through the gloom yeah I mean Haydock is generally a place that basks in, in warm sunshine and dry weather but occasionally when? When were you there? occasionally just before a race meeting it has been known to rain at Haydock and it rained again but that's typical Betfair chase weather mm. and as you say if it's Haydock and it's heavy it's Bristol to but, but it wasn't it wasn't bottomless heavy was it no, although having said well, that, well, watching the... Daryl Jacob be on in a minute. We'll ask him. Yeah, I mean the, the three and a half miler that closed the card. It looked pretty darn hard well, that, work in that race. That did wasn't necessarily the greatest spectacle of all time, no. was it? Uh, horses no. refusing uh, as well. But we're going to start our, our review of racing, not just from the weekend, but over the last couple of days with the Betfair Chase Grade One, uh, Bristol de May uh, trying to win it for a third time. Uh, and here he is in front. Clande's over at this stage, very much in touch, but look at Lost in Translation. Yeah, he's already a, a spent force, isn't he? Connections blamed the heavy ground afterwards, but he, he really was disappointing and, and a, a miserable way to start his season. Clande's oboe, Paul Nichols had said beforehand he was trained in a different way for this race this year and that he was hard fit and that he wouldn't necessarily be coming on loads for this run and I think for that reason his backers would have been quite hopeful going to the final fence but when push came to shove Bristol Demai a bit like I said Donald Trump in a colour piece there he's also won't concede defeat he just <laughs> loves to gallop and gallop and gallop and at this track he's so hard to deny um, I don't think there's any shame in saying that this is his Gold Cup. You know, we, we talk about the Cheltenham Festival all through the winter and into, and into the spring. Realistically, Bristol de Meyer, I don't think he's going to win a Cheltenham Gold Cup. He may one day go very close in the Grand National. But this is the day when Bristol de Meyer, you can guarantee, will be at his best. And there is nothing wrong at all with saying that this is his Gold Cup. And Clandes Oboe, just going to, just at this point here, you think, right, here he comes, doesn't he? But, but you know, those, that long run in at Haydock is where Bristol de May absolutely, um, absolutely thrives. Yeah, he really does. He, he gets into Look at such... Him, just a few strides he's just taken off, Yeah, absolutely. He? Bristol de May gets into such a fantastic rhythm 
at Haydock. And I think it's, it's, it's very much a track that some horses shine on, some horses don't. He does seem to love it. Arguably last year, I think Ruby Walsh made that point that maybe he didn't go quite hard enough. But when he can run his rivals into the ground, as he did there under a great ride from Daryl Jacob, so you'd back him to win almost any race at Haydock. Yeah. Trained by Nigel Twiston Davis, owned by Simon Manier and Isaac Swade. And in their green colours, it was indeed Daryl Jacob, who's able to join us on the line this morning. Daryl, morning. G congratulations. It, that, that was clearly a very special day. Morning, gentlemen. Yeah, very good. Yeah, thank you very much. And Bristol de May at Haydock. You know, you know, people talk about horses for courses, don't they? But my goodness, uh, you know, here is a horse for a course. Yeah, look, he's look, he's a wonderful. He's got a wonderful record around Haydock, um, and it's like you said, he, he just gets into a wonderful um, rhythm around there, and uh, like you say, flat left-handed tracks um, just really, really suit him. And uh, you know, look, we're very, very lucky to have him. And the commentator noticed when coming down towards the closing stages, you look round one way, Clandes, you could obviously realise where Clandes Oboe was. Clandes Oboe's fans at that point were probably getting quite excited that, that he was going to pick you off. What, what were your thoughts at that point? Um, at that point, um, yeah, a lot of people said, oh, that I panicked and stuff like that, but I didn't actually. It was... You know, I had um, I've gone through a lot of a lot of time studying, of, and um, I've done a lot of a lot of planning in my head about the race, and uh, you know, and I thought I had if I had lost in translation or if I had Clandesobo breathing down my down my neck, I'd do two different plans to try and beat him. Um, and coming down to after I've jumped three out, I knew there was a horse behind me, but I thought I was tight enough to the rail that I didn't think there would be a horse quite on the inside. Um, and I looked around, and I think. I seen or I thought I thought it was clear, but then when I look look back again into my posse, I could still hear another horse, and that's when I looked um, on my right shoulder, and obviously I spotted Clandesobo, uh, and from there then I, I I had it I had it in my head, I had my plan that you know to try and beat Clandesobo, I had to make it into a a real dogfight to try and get him off the bridle, and it was from there then I asked my horse to to extend himself and to go and and make it into that dogfight. So, so you you were quietly confident if there was a dogfight, you, your guy would deliver. Yeah, look, he's he's a wonderful horse. He's a, he's a warrior. He's he's been through so many battles, and uh, like I say, he's um, you know you wouldn't want any other horse on your side when you get into a battle. And uh, you know, I, I knew from 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 two and a half from two and a half three, I knew I had enough gas in the tank to get me home. And it was clear from your body language at the end of the race that this was a, a special moment because the horse had emulated Corto Star and Q-Card by winning a third bet fair chase. And I think uh, you, you talked in post-race interviews as well ab about uh, uh, a family incident that took place this year. Happily, things better now. So obviously all your emotions that had been pent up all came flooding out. Yeah, look, I mean, look, it's... it's... It's a tough time for everyone out there with obviously COVID-19. You know, there's a lot of families, there's a lot of people that are going through, you know, a lot of hard stuff in, in their life at the moment. And, uh, you know, you need you need special moments like, like yesterday and, and in racing. And that's where racing is, is, is very, very good. It, it brings out the best in a lot of people. And, you know, we're a very, a very close community. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was great because a lot of people... You know, not just me, Simon, Isaac, Anthony, but a lot of people would have got a, a big lift from, from seeing Bristol and May winning. And, you know, if you can bring any little bit of light to, to any person in the world um, by winning a race like that or showing something special like that, it's, it, for me, I think it's very, very important. And, um, you know, like you say, there's a lot of people have been going through a lot of horrible things there at the moment um, over, the last, uh, over the last year. And it was just great that, you know, a light could shine down on it. Yeah, lo lovely words there. And you talked, fi final thought, Daryl, because we must let you get to Exeter races. Uh, you were, obviously, uh, Cheltenham, I guess, is going to be, for, for Simon and Isaac and Anthony Bromley, is going to be uh, in their thoughts. But will the Grand National, which was definitely in thoughts last year, will that be very much in mind in the, the weeks and months ahead? Um, look, uh, we, we were thinking about go having a crack at the Grand National last year, obviously, but for, again, COVID... Um, interfering with that but look he's nine rising ten um you know realistically if he's if he if he's going to have a crack at it probably would would be this year wouldn't it so um i look at me personally i'd love to have a go at um i think why not 
Um, the horse has been a wonderful horse and, uh, you know, he stays well, Touchwood, he jumps well enough. And again, Aintree is, is uh, a sort of a flat left under track as well. So that, I think that would play to his strengths as well. So, um, look, it, it depends on obviously what, what the handicapper gives him and what, you know, what weight he would have to carry in, in the Grand National, etc., etc. But, you know, it's, Something that we'll, as a as a team, we'll definitely talk about over the next, uh, you know, ex over the next four or five months. Imagine flying over those fences on him. That would be some experience for any rider, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be class, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it would be class indeed. Well, look, congratulations again for yesterday. You're absolutely right. It's uh, when these horses come back, and uh, especially having been beaten last year, come back and win again. You're absolutely right. People absolutely love it, and they love that result yesterday afternoon. So well done to all of you, and thanks very much indeed for joining us. Yeah, it was nice because it was uh, the boss, Robert Arnold's birthday yesterday as well. So that was extra special as well. So it was just a big day all day yesterday, so it was. Lovely. Well, look, thanks so much for coming on and, and telling us about it from your perspective this morning. Great, great to have you on Luck on Sunday. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks a million. Thanks very much. I love that, that those are proper... When sports people, because they must concentrate on trying to win their race or score their goal yeah. or whatever, but they're also thinking about, you know, people will have really enjoyed, not just them, but people will have loved seeing Bristol de May, even, I think, fans of Clandes Oboe absolutely. and Lost in Translation. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I'd back Clandes Oboe. So would I. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I was still delighted. When, when he looked round over, what did he do? I'm not very good at my left or my right, but when he, he looked, looked over his yeah, uh, left, to, yeah, was when he looked right. round, I thought, oh, here comes Clan. But wasn't it interesting there, hearing Daryl say that he'd, in his head, two plans for absolutely. that home straight? One to beat Lost in Translation, one to beat Clandes Oboe. As he got it perfectly right, and I think when you see, and I've said this so often, often in relation to owners, but when you see a, a winning participant, in this case Daryl Jacobs, so enthused after a so delighted, clearly full of joy, it does enhance the enjoyment of the people watching the event. And he's a good guy; people like him. That is his big horse. Um, and I really hope he does ride that horse, get to ride that horse in the Grand National. I think last season they'd thought about it, but realistically... And they couldn't do it. No, but I think even if it had they gone there, having gone to Cheltenham first, I think that would have compromised his chances. Mm. I think ideally they'll decide this season they've had a few goes at winning the Gold Cup. It's probably not a Gold Cup winner waiting to happen, but the flat left-handed track, he's a horse that gets into an incredible rhythm, and we all know how important a rhythm is at Aintree, and we've increasingly seen our horses towards the top of the handicap fair really well at Aintree. Daryl won the race on one, Neptune uh, Colonge. Neptune Colonge, yeah. Absolutely. So I'd love to see Bristol the minor national. And, but imagine if Cheltenham was a real slog because it was hock deep in mud. I suppose they wouldn't be able to resist it, would they? Potentially not. No, no. potentially not. But that you can't bank on that. Um, and I, I would much rather they set their stall out for Aintree. And quick sentence about Clandes Ober, first of all, certainly not disgraced in second. D didn't stay as well as Bristol Demay uh, on his course. Um, but, but he sort of, he stayed all right, didn't he? Yeah, he ran a perfectly good race. I mean, I, I think, he, he, and you could still see him completing a King George hat-trick because if you look at the King George market, Lost in Translation is still the third favourite after what he did yesterday. And the horse is below Lost in Translation. You look down them and they probably won't go to Kempton. So it does look this stage like a race that could either cut up massively or be full of big price outsiders, in which case it appears to be a Paul Nichols versus Paul Nichols race, CNA versus Clandis Oboe. Mm. And uh, quick, very quick sentence on Lost in Translation. Are, are you losing faith or will you just forgive him one? So not losing faith in the sense that his start before that, he almost won the Cheltenham Gold Cup. But that wasn't how you want to see um, a season started. And I imagine to an extent, although they blame the ground, they'll be looking hard at the horse to see if they can find any other reasons why he performed so dismally. So that was the Betfair chase, the feature yesterday afternoon, but it was a, a cracking card at Haydock. And I love this race, the Betfair Exchange Stayer Handicap Hurdle Race. Main fact, going for a ninth success here, uh, and uh, we pick up in the gloom. We've talked about the gloom <laughs> at Haydock. This was a proper gloom. I'm trying to see main fact well, there. What's yeah. he in about sixth place? Is he sixth, seventh towards the outside? Yeah, um, and he's running, actually just there, Daryl Jacob fired into the ground off, off yeah. Holstow. Um, he's run a typical main fact race in that for a horse who keeps winning, he often looks like he's about to lose. Yes. Um, he seems to come from nowhere 
um, having never really travelled in his contest. But when he does get going, as he yet again did here, he's got a heck of a finish on him. And the, yeah. the improvement this horse has, has, has found under David Pipe in the space of the year, having started out over hurdles with a rating in the mid-90s, to have now won this off 147, a mark a pound higher than Liz Nagar was rated, Liz Nagar Ross was rated, mm. when winning the Stayers hurdle, shows that he now is a championship race contender. And as a little sidebar, he's a horse who has got this nine-race winning spree. His sire, Blame, was a horse who ended Zenyatta's 19-race winning spree in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Oh, right. Well, there's a, there's a little, little bit of... A uh, there for you. A little bit of useless information Thank for you. you. Third, third wind in front as we're just watching uh, it here, and it uh, did look perhaps as though... But here, here he comes uh, with Fergus Gillard riding on, uh, on Main Fact, uh, running in the colours of the Munroads partnership and trained by David Pipe. And we can say good morning to uh, David, who's on the line, and, and congratulations. Nine, uh, you know, this is, this is a, a real chip off the old block sort of stuff, David. Nine on the yeah. bounce. Morning, Cornelius and, and Lee. Um, yeah, amazing performance. Amazing to do nine um, hard enough uh, 10, 15 years ago, even harder nowadays, obviously, with a different system in place. Yeah. So, what, 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 well, let's go through the race yesterday. He loves a bit of drama, doesn't he? You know, not just and your jockey enjoys a bit of drama. You know, coming late, everyone else thinks they've got a right chance, and you go sweeping by. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's, he's similar at home. Uh, ben Curtis won on him on the on the flats uh, at Catrick, and it was the first time he'd ever sat on him, and uh, he thought he was a pony going down to the start. He showed no interest whatsoever, um, and that's just that's just his way. He does it. It doesn't. It's not easy watching the race. Um, first half of the race, you have to cajole him, you have to kid him into it, and then suddenly he um, decides, yes, I want to race, and uh, finishes very strongly. And the, the commentator said, said coming from a, an improbable position, that was, the, that was a, a massive understatement. But look, I don't know if you can see the pictures now, but he's coming roaring into the race towards the closing stages, and supporters are beginning, and I bet you were, uh, you're beginning to get excited. Yeah, I mean, we um, a bit like Bristol and May, we were very happy to see the, the rain come down. He probably is um, a better horse uh, on soft, heavy ground. Uh, so it came right for us. Fergus Gillard gave him a great ride, and uh, he just keeps on improving. And what, what, you know, what, what, what is the key? Because people will have seen this horse before it joined you, and they'll have thought, you know, he was a good horse and he was doing all right. But, you know, what's been the key to, to, to what's happened since he's joined you at Nicholas Shane? Uh, well, he's very well bred. He's bred by Judd Mont. Um, some of his relations are, are graded horses in America. Um, when he first came, he, was a, um, he is a character. There is no doubt about that. A very talented character. Um, he used to be a tear away when he first came. Um, he'd go around our sand gallop and uh, he'd, he'd run away for half a circuit and you couldn't get him to go on the second circuit. But um, look, he enjoys um, and, and we learnt about him. He settled into um, the routine uh, that we worked out for him um, and he's just thrived. I mean, no one ever imagined he was going to do this, um, but we're enjoying the ride. Well, I, I bet you are. So what, what were you imagining he might do? You obviously wanted to win a race, presumably, and then see what happened after that. Yeah, we free-leased him to uh, Mark Monroe and, and the partnership, and uh, look, we'll have some fun with him, we thought. Um, he, he ran very well first time out at Exeter uh, after being off the track for a long time, finishing third, and thought, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll win a few small races. No one ever <laughs> dreamed of this. Well, I bet they didn't. And this is a race that not only Paisley Park and Sam Spinner have won in recent years, but you've won with proper stars like Dynast and Grand Cru. So, so what, what are you dreaming? What are you and your owners dreaming of now? Well, I, he deserves to take his chance in, in graded company. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, there's the step up in trip we thought he would get. Uh, he did, and uh, it's brought out further improvement. Uh, I suppose you have to look at races like the Long Walk at Ascot or the Cleave at, uh, at Cheltenham. Um, you know, he, he's got to improve again, but he definitely deserves to take his chance. And then that would lead probably to the stairs hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival. I, I presume so. Yeah, you know, but he's probably he, he is probably ground dependent. Um, he'll go on better ground, um, but as you can see with his racing style, um, uh, it's going to be even harder on on better ground. Uh, but let's hope it keeps raining.
And, uh, well, uh, absolutely, we know what the British winter is like. <laughs> um, and, and for you, David, and the team, main fact is obviously that's a great result for you yesterday. Uh, what, how, are you, how are you reflecting on the, the, the first half, if you like, of the, of the jumping season so far? Yeah, well, obviously for everyone it's been, been very different, but the, the horses uh, are running well. Um, they're in good form. Ramsey Detelli was very good last Sunday at Cheltenham. Uh, it's great to have... Um, uh, these weekend winners, that's what it's all about. The team worked very hard. We've got great owners, um, staff and support. So um, long may it continue. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. So what, what a week we've had on Racing TV. A great Saturday at Haydock and Ascot and, uh, and elsewhere. Yep. A great Thursday at Thurlis and a great Friday in Bahrain. Uh, with the uh, Bahrain trip. Do you see what I've done there? I do. Uh, yeah. you, you make I, a clear I, up. I think the expression you're looking for is seamless segue. Seamless um, segue. And uh, the Bahrain International Trophy. Here we are. And uh, Sim Seer, uh, ridden by uh, Lee Newman, is in the red and white. Yeah. Um, an example here of, of cash really counting in the sense that um, it attracted a field of good international horses for the cash. Um, a race in which Lee Newman has given this horse a fantastic ride, nicking a lead, opening up a huge deficit, which was able to hold on to all the way to the line. Um, not a horse that I would have found beforehand, but my colleague Here comes Ron the Wood, cavalry. Yeah, my colleague Ron Wood tipped him at 20 to 1 to give him a, a bit of a a bit of a plug. Global Giant almost got there, but no, Ooh. this was a, a big day for Lee Newman, a man well worth talking to, I would have thought. Yeah, the champion apprentice of 2000, uh, successful in the Bahrain International Trophy on Friday, and joining us uh, from somewhere in the Middle East, Lee Newman, good morning to you. Welcome to Luck on Sunday. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, well, yeah, not as good as you, I think, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. Well, what, we're just watching the, the replay of the race, and it's, it's dramatic stuff. You're in front, aren't you? But as I as I'd said just a second ago, the cavalry was coming in those closing strides. Sure they were. They were coming last year too, and they nicked it off me, but I managed to hold on this year. The times were very close to last year. Um, maybe my horse this year was a little better. And Look, I studied him hard. I didn't have time to study the horse last year. I had a lot of time to study this horse, but they asked me to ride it last week. Um, he realised something about the horse and maybe he seen something in me and he put the two of us together, which was a genius move. Um, <laughs> and it worked out. It's nice when it works out. It did work out. It worked out well. And as you say, it doesn't always work out because last year uh, you, you ended up finishing third. I certainly did. It was a good third. Um, connections were happy. I was pleased with it, but it was a spare ride at the last minute. Um, I think it worked out pretty well last year. It was 22-1 last year, nobody expected. I think they thought I was the lead-off, so that's why they let me off. <laughs> but I found myself in front last year by accident because Oss was very keen, so I just went with him and uh, he only just failed. But anyway, we got it this year. And, and Lee, uh, we, we know you're in Bahrain for the, for the flat season. We can hear from your accent that Scotland uh, is your home. You were champion apprentice uh, in Britain in, in 2000, but uh, the, the events have taken you around the world since then. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I had a, a great time being champion apprentice, obviously with Richard Hannon Sr. back then. Um, a lot of winners. Yeah, a lot of winners. Life's been good since. I've ridden group winners in Australia since. Group winners in the UK, no big winners here. It, it wasn't a group race, but it felt like it to me. Sure, it was worth it. Worth it. The money was there. <laughs> I bet. Um, and the money in the company were there, and the class was there. And you know, it was nice to be back on the big stage. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. Time, I think, for a COVID horse racing update in a week in which uh, the sport uh, was told that it was entitled to £40 million in loans from the government, part of the Chancellor's £300 million winter survival package. That's less than rugby union, but a clear second compared to other sports. So, what happens next? Nick Rust is chief executive of the British Horse Racing Authority for 40 more days and 40 more nights, I think, uh, but has been good enough to join us. <laughs> Uh, this morning from uh, his home in Yorkshire. So, £40 million in, in loans, Nick. So, it's not a handout. Uh, it, it, it's got to be paid back if it's taken up. 
Yes, we uh, we don't know the details yet. We're expecting to have some details tomorrow, um, but we've been told it's on extremely favourable terms. And indeed, Anna Degnan, the lead official who's been so helpful here in DCMS, said it's the sort of loans we'd all love to be able to have access to. So we're hoping and expecting, based on what has been announced previously for Rugby League, that the loans will be for probably a period of up to five years for repayment hopefully with no repayment required in the first um, year and with um, very limited, um, in, uh, you know, low interest rates. So, so that's good news. And the, and the secret now is to ensure that we get ourselves organised to make sure that we, as a sport, can access those loans and use it as a bridge between now and hopefully the return of spectators um, to much better levels um, from spring and summer onwards. What, what was striking was that the, the minister said the, the, the loans would be to race courses. D is that just sort of talk because, you know, civil servants have got a million things to worry about, or do you think it is specifically denied, uh, designed for race courses? Well, we, we don't know exactly yet the terms uh, that we'll be able to take up, but, if, but of course the whole thinking behind this um, winter sports support was to help um, support venues and clubs uh, who were going to be denied uh, attendances and therefore logically for racing that means race courses. However, throughout this process we've been very clear all the way through explaining that you know, race courses are, are managing to survive at the moment um, through some support they've been able to access themselves, through some good work they've done themselves with managing bookings forward to the next year to help them with cash and of course with help from the levy board but that our industry doesn't work quite the same as um, sports clubs and that the money is actually needed for the whole sport during this period. So we're hoping we're not going to be limited purely to racecourses being able to apply, but we'll, we'll find out more details, as I say, hopefully on Monday. Even if it is racecourses, we need to find a way as a sport to make sure that we unlock the monies. You know, the government has, has listened to us. Once again, racing has worked closely together with a a single voice into government. There have been some dissonant voices here and there, but with a single voice into government saying we need this assistance to help get us through. And if we don't take that up um, across the sport, then, you know, what? if I was in government, I'd be wondering why. So we need to find a way. And uh, I and my executive, industry executive committee colleagues um, are, are meeting on Monday morning to work through the detail once we have it. Um, and to work through how we can make sure we get prize money out there. Because, you know, although we've maintained prize money, uh, sorry, we get the loans out there. Although we maintain prize money at, uh, in 75% of races at pre-COVID levels in the period up to Christmas, those have been mid and lower tier races, for example. There's a, there's a big gap at the top end that is very, very important for international investment and keeping you know, our share of horses in training here versus elsewhere that we need to consider. We need to look after race courses that are on the edge. Um, some of the smaller and some of the larger race courses are going to need this support. So we need to find out a package and work on a package that means that the sport works together on paying this money back. Because if it is only race courses that can borrow, if that is uh, the criteria that we're given in the end, then frankly, you know, why would they all want to take on additional um, loan burdens without, without the sport providing a, a way through um, to help them with those loans um, in due course? So we're working on that on Monday. Yeah, I, I take, take that point uh, entirely. And just, just to be clear, in a yes or no answer, this is English race courses, isn't it? Am I right in saying Welsh and Scottish race courses, they, they have to deal with uh, their devolved governments? Uh, we we believe so, but again, we got, yes, we think so, but we've got to confirm that on Monday as well when we get the so, details. So, so there was a great headline here last week, wasn't there? And this money is going out and Rugby League and Rugby Union getting this and football's getting less and racing's getting so much. But it, it was a great headline, but the, the, there seems to be practically no detail at this stage apart from the £40 million. Pounds. No, the, no, we haven't got the detail yet. And, and obviously they were keen to get a, a message of support out there and secured the monies. A heck of a lot of work has, has gone into this. You know, 18 racecourses have put f forward a great amount of detail from our side. And, and of course, a, a central assessment from some of the work that we've done over the last year about the impact on the sport generally was put forward to DCMS. A huge amount of work went in from our side and I'm assuming the same from all the other sports concerned. So DCMS will have been getting across this, working with Treasury, um, as the Prime Minister asked at the time when the, the pilots were put on hold, and trying to come up with something that 
makes sense for, for various sports. But the actual detail on application and so on, we will find out shortly. They have entrusted Sport England to oversee this process, so we're expecting to have uh, more details and contact with them this week. I'll tell you the thing that worries me most of all, Nick, is that this could just be a classic racing can of worms. Uh, the, the money appears, uh, it goes in one direction, everyone starts squabbling about who should get what, and uh, people say it's not enough is being put into prize money, not enough is being done to do this, that or the other. The, the, the potential for a can of worms, if people don't get on, is huge, isn't it? Well, I, I, look, I think we will. I mean, it's, just, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? The government's making this money available to us. We've asked for financial support. Um, if we can't deploy that financial support um, appropriately across the sport, then, you know, we're, we're going to be in difficulty, aren't we? So, you know, there is no danger of us failing to come up with a plan for this money. Uh, there, might, there might be some, you know, uh, work and consideration, you know, about how we manage this in the context of other things, but we will have to come up with a plan and we will need to work closely with the levy board as well. The levy board has been brilliant, as you know, in um, making sure that we had enough money to, to prop up various areas um, when our income streams have been down and we're going to have to work with them to make sure that every pound that is available to this sport, whether through the levy board or through these um, generous loans, uh, can be deployed to best effect to keep owners in racing, to keep race courses going, and to make sure that we are providing um, the, the, the best possible economic outcomes that we can until spectators return. Nick, racing has clearly had success uh, dealing with government to get this emergency funding. It is stopgap funding, and the, the BHA and other stakeholders are working with government to try and find a more long-term solution with vital reform of the levy. Would you be concerned that if racecourses and racing don't take this, this £40 million of loans in its entirety or, in its, or near its entirety, that that could damage racing's case with the government when it comes to those vital levy negotiations? Well, we, we think that levy reform uh, is required and that is largely because of the massive changing nature of um, betting. Um, at the moment, but also, you know, making sure that the interests of betting operators and racing are more closely aligned. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing positive noises and having positive discussions with betting operators about a closer alignment about the way in which our sport is funded in the future. Um, so, you know, we want to continue those discussions and see uh, where they lead to, to, to lead to something sustainable. The reform that we had a few years ago was very helpful in one way in that um, as well as bringing additional monies from uh, offshore betting, or largely digital betting, in other words, um, it removed the annual fighting, and that's what it, that's what it was, because I sat on both sides of the fence on it, um, about how much levy should, should be uh, on the table each year. And um, no sooner had you finished at midnight on October the 31st in one year um, and smiled and said it's going to be different this year and shaken hands with the other party, you were straight into positioning about how much levy there should be available. Well, thankfully, that stopped and there are more sensible discussions. So I'm optimistic that um, productive discussions can be had and that, that, that they should be, you know, not only with government, but with betting operators. But to come back to the point that I think you're making, yeah, I think if, we, if, if government's making available £40 million to us, and we, and we don't deploy that in a way that uh, our sport needs to um, over the next few months, then, you know, if I was sat in government, I might, I might be wondering why I had helped, or perhaps when we come knocking on the door for some other things, you know, might be asking, well, what happened to the money that we made available to you? So, yeah, we have to use this money, and we need to use this money, frankly. You know, um, uh, I understand the situation for some, you know, for all race courses. You know, if, if they are the only route for loans, why should they take on extra debt um, and be accountable for that debt unless the sport rallies round and makes sure that there is a clear plan? Similarly, why should the levy board continue to um, put out money in certain areas where loans have been made available? So, you know, there has been some discussion about how we can do this, and I'm very hopeful that we can make something that makes it very uh, sorry announce something that makes it very clear later this week how we will. Um, I um, undertake the work to, to, in effect, unlock this money and help us bridge the gap between now and the return of spectators. 
Nick, I know we haven't got that much time. I'm going to ask you one quick question more about COVID and then we'll just quickly move on to Brexit. I just got the, the impression, uh, reading newspapers and uh, uh, looking at websites this week, that the, the noise is off, if you like, about attendances uh, were sounding more positive. Uh, equally, we know that the government's going to announce uh, what's going to happen post-lockdown in England, going to announce that over the next day or two. Uh, I, I know your answer will be something along the lines, we'll be ready, whatever, but a question I often ask trainers on these occasions when uh, they're about to have runners, what, what's your instinct about the way that, that things are going? We all know where they're going, we're, we're waiting, but what's your instinct about where we're going? I, I don't know in terms of what the government's going to announce. We're obviously going to hear from Boris tomorrow um, about what happens when we come out of Tier 3. Um, we are positioned well in the sport. Uh, David Armstrong and my team at the BHA, including Jerry Hill, have been working closely with government to make sure that we're at the forefront of any pilots with regard to spectators returning. I just don't know. It's going to be a difficult message to come out and say that we're returning to pilots for sport if we're, if we're telling people that they can only have, I don't know, one day at Christmas with one household. Uh, it's going to be tricky to do that. But DCMS is working very, very hard to make sure that we've got these pilots on. And we're pretty confident that we'll have some pilots, certainly um, in the period immediately after Christmas and leading up to the spring period. And that's vital because 70% of race course uh, spectator-related income is from April to August. So that's, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't matter before then. Of course it does. But that's, that's, that's what we really, really need to make sure that we get sorted if we, if we possibly can. And with, with vaccines coming, we've got to be hopeful. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. Now, our next guest on Luck on Sunday has been one of the biggest human players in next weekend's Ladbrokes Trophy at Newbury, formerly the Hennessy. A big player as rider of Denman on one of the two occasions on which the horse, the tank, as he was nicknamed, bulldozed, to mix my metaphors, bulldozed his way to success in the feature. There were, however, during Sam Thomas's career, downs as well as ups, plenty to talk about. Nowadays, he's retired from racing and riding, from race riding, I should say, and training, and training in particularly good form. And we can say good morning to Sam, who joins us live from his stables at Lisvane uh, on the edge of Cardiff. Good morning to you, Sam. How are you? Good morning, Cornelius. Yeah, very good. And yourself? Yeah, good. We, we always, the, the first question is always uh, with yeah. the technology these days to work out the length of the delay. Uh, and uh, this one's a medium-sized delay, so if uh, viewers, if I say something hilarious and Sam looks grim, it's uh, all down to uh, the delay. But uh, I imagine, Sam, this time of the year, uh, your, your thoughts, well, your horses are going in great form, but your, your thoughts inevitably, when you see that Newbury's coming up, uh, go back to 2007 and that great success on Demon. Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, nothing... Um good enough in that category to, to enter ourselves but uh, no look it's a it's an incredible race one of the biggest handicaps of the season and um, yeah it does bring back some incredible memories for me you know I was very fortunate to uh, you know I guess be be in the right place at the right time when I was with Paul and um, yeah I've got some very fond memories which, uh, which are very special. Because when, whenever I talk about steeplechasing since the turn of the century, the horses that always come up, Corto Star, Denman, uh, Best Mate and, uh, and others as well. And then inevitably you come in to the conversation. You must have told your Denman stories. What did you win? Eight of his 24 races was with you in the saddle. You must have told all your Denman stories a million times. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in, I guess... You know, he touched uh, touched the hearts of a lot of people, sort of, um, you know, within the sport and out. And um, it's funny, you know, I even had a member of staff that started recently, and all he wanted to do was talk about Denman, really. You know, and that's how he got into racing. So I guess, unknowingly at the time, although I was just doing my job, you know, like I say, he managed to sort of capture the hearts of a lot of people, really. And um, that's what I guess these sort of big national hunt horses do. You know, you keep getting to see them year after year, and. Um, you know, I was very lucky to, like I say, be, be the man on board and all credit to, to Paul Nichols to keeping him sound and well for as long as he did. And Sam, you, you used the word unknowingly there. That's quite a telling word. So were you able, because you were, you were very young, you were only, I think, 23 at the time. You're riding this great horse. 
were you able a to enjoy it despite the pressure but b to appreciate what you were part of yeah absolutely i, I definitely enjoyed it of course i did it was a great thrill and I, I guess every time you know you got your leg up on that horse, you knew that uh, barring accidents, you were going to be going to be winning. That's the sort of confidence that he brought you. But um, I guess at the time, you know, I was young and um, maybe didn't appreciate it as much as I should have done at the time. Um, and you kind of think when it's going that well that these horses will you know just carry on and it's the norm and it will last forever. But um, it's only years down the line, and um, you know when you're sort of trying to get back to those days, you realise how you know how, how special they are and how rare they are to come by, really. And that was striking what you said, 13 years later, a member of staff joins you at, at the Hollies, you're, you're based outside Cardiff, and says, Sam, you rode Demon. You know, it shows, shows that, you know, even 13 years on, people, or many, many years on, people are still talking about it. Absolutely, and I think people that were there at the time at the races, you know, they remember exactly what position they were in on the course and what it meant to them. And... You know, their friends always had an opinion who, who was going to win. So, yeah, I think, um, like I say, I never get bored of talking about it. Uh, I was very, very lucky and, um, you know, he's an incredible, incredible animal. Um, and like I say, doing this job now, it makes me now appreciate the good ones uh, because they don't often come round as, 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 as much as I you know, thought they might have done at the time. I'm going to talk about the, the form of your horses in just one second, but I'm just going to throw a quote at you. I love this quote. You said, uh, once you, you asked Denman to do something in a race, and Denman did his own thing, and it was as though he was saying, you just sit there and go with the flow, son. I think that's just, that's, that's a lovely quote, and I love the affection that comes out for, for you and, the, and uh, for the partnership you had with that horse. No, like he was, he was very special and, and, and took, a, took a ride or two maybe on him to, to get used to him. Um, but like, yeah, I, I know there's, there's lots of different stories I could tell you about him. I remember sort of, I think it was one of the novice chases around Newbury and Paddy Brennan on Ollie McGurn tried to take us on down the back straight. Um, and it was the worst thing that Paddy ever tried to do because poor Ollie McGurn, you know, got his heart broken that day. And uh, Denman just did his thing and said, no, you're not coming past me. Thank you very much. Um, and like I say, when Demon was in his prime and in his best form, you, you, you were a bit of a passenger, really. I remember Ruby once telling me the first time I rode him, he said, the hardest job you'll have is just getting him to jump off. Uh, and once you've done that, he said, you just, you know, go and enjoy yourself. But he used to be a bit stubborn at the start for some reason. And, um, yeah, I remember that being, that was the sort of uh, the only thing I had to really think about initially was getting, getting him away from the start. Um, but, um, no, an incredible animal. And, um, you know, it puts tingles down my... Back, just thinking about it now. I bet it. I bet it does. And when he actually won the the Hennessy that year, you were described as the poster boy of racing. You were riding Corto Star, Mr. Pointment, and Twist Magic, all within a few weeks. Wow! You must have thought that you could, you know, proverbially walk on water. Yeah, like I say, and um, yeah, looking back, you know, it was just it was just it was the norm at the time, and. Um, you know, some of the best horses were in that yard, really, you know, from the likes of, you know, Twist Magic, the best two-milers to the best staying, staying chasers, really. And, um, yeah, it's memories and fond memories, but um, I'm just glad I was the person there riding them and uh, not someone else, really, because, um, like I say, they're, they're, they're very fond memories that I've got for, for, for with me for the rest of my life. Well, you're creating plenty of pretty fond memories for yourself, for your team and, and for your supporters at the moment. I'm, I'm going to read out your form figures since the beginning of the month of your string. Four three one one two one three one 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 two. Goodness, <laughs> those are some form figures. No, we're uh, we're going great guns, and um, I'm very lucky. We've got we've got some incredible horses to train this season. Um, lots of nice youngsters that we sort of brought along quietly, and. Um, yeah, no, it's great. We've got a great little team down here. Um, got some fantastic facilities. Uh, and when you read the form figures out there now, I sort of, you know, I think about the thirds and the seconds and where we could have placed them differently <laughs> to, to turn them into winners now. You know, that's you sound like of, a proper uh, trainer. Where we're going at the minute. <laughs> Why didn't they all win? Absolutely. That's it. Look, I mean, I'm learning as you go. You, you never stop learning, but. Um, you know, it's just trying to find them the easiest opportunities you can. I'm sure everyone knows that, but um, that's that's the main part of the game, really. If you can find the horse's easiest opportunity, you're, you're, you're halfway there, really. And you trained initially at Lambourne. You've trained, I think, uh, been based in the Cotswolds at one point, but now just outside Cardiff. Uh, your your place, uh, your, your, uh, in association with Di Walters, 
uh, f famous, uh, famous racing figure as well. So just paint a little bit of a picture because your address is Lisvane, Cardiff. You're very near the M4, um, but you're outside Cardiff. Yeah, we're sort of uh, 15 minutes outside you know, the city centre itself, and then the same the same distance off the motorway, really. So um, great for for transport. Um, yeah, and we've sort of got 30 30 stables on site at the minute. And um, you know, since the time that I've been been here, uh, we've sort of just been tweaking tweaking things along the way, really, just um, just trying to improve the place uh, all the time. And I think, like in any, any industry, I think you've got to just keep keep doing that. You can't just sit still and expect it all to happen and, and still expect the results so like i say we've been just tweaking lots of things from the gallops to the yard to the you know the health and the the, the ventilation and, the, and everything really so um and i'm really happy now that um you know with the support of mr walters and, and with the horses and, and, and everything else we've um got the yard you know up together and it's uh, it's all, all all showing in our results now at the minute i think and the, the facilities are obviously doing their bit uh, last weekend you described as a weekend we won't forget in a hurry uh, winners uh, left, right and centre, including winning the, the bumper at uh, Cheltenham uh, on Sunday afternoon, where visibility was rather better and the judge didn't need the photo finish. And this is called Good no, Risk at All. It was a weekend. Um, yeah, lovely, uh, lovely no-risk at all four-year-old. Um, one that actually broke in when I first started, so even more uh, sort of satisfying, really, to see them uh, progress and meet kept him sort of just under the radar all last season just tipping away with him and um, he's a lovely horse and to be honest I was not in not 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 you know enjoying watching the rain falling basically I thought he'd he'd sort of be a much better ground horse and um, especially with a couple of non-runners it sort of left us with no choice but to carry on and, and, and go and run him but um, yeah he's, he's a nice horse and I think uh, you know if we can we can look after him he could, could be quite special so um, but yeah like you know, it's just fantastic seeing these babies coming through and, um, you know, doing everything quietly with them, you know, when they're not quite ready and they're just sort of telling us when they're ready to run, really. And it's just um, yeah, even more enjoyable than, like I say, having had them from the very beginning. And I think that was only your third runner at Cheltenham, at HQ, at the place where you won the Gold Cup on Denman. So uh, I, I guess uh, psychologically good to get, good to get a, a winning result on the score sheet at Cheltenham. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I must say, it was just very surreal, really. You know, we were stood right next to the rails, watched him charging past us up the hill. We were roaring for Sam, and um, ten minutes later, Tori and I, and my fiance, were sat in the car driving home, really. And um, <laughs> it just felt very, very, very sort of uh, bizarre having such an empty stadium. It didn't, 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 uh, didn't, didn't feel right, really. Usually, you've obviously got the crowd and the atmosphere, and. Um, you know, I just pray to God we can get people back on the race courses soon. Unfortunately, you know, I didn't have any friends or family there, and um, you know, that's not what racing is all about, really. No, the, the the celebrating is 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 you're obviously saying the celebrating is as important as the actual the actual success to be able to really enjoy it. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's what. You know, I, Look, I mean, I think certainly with National Hunt owners, it's it's very much the social for for a lot of owners, and they like to go there and and, and you know meet meet their friends essentially, you know. And um, yeah, it's just like I say, I, I sort of felt it with the first, you know the first sort of month or two when we've been racing in lockdown and sort of gotten used to it. But certainly at Cheltenham, it just didn't feel didn't feel right at all. Just seeing seeing those empty uh, you know empty stands, it just felt very bizarre. So um, yeah, ho hope to God we can get it get it back to normal as soon as we can. And I'll tell you, the, uh, the other horse that I wanted to particularly mention, I saw it win on Racing TV the other day, not a role model winning at Wincanton, jumping superbly. And I see he's got an entry in one of the races over the big fences at Aintree at the beginning of December. Yeah, no, uh, the entry's closed early for that, and I just said to the owners that we would uh, just put him in there and see, see, see what happened with, uh, with a few things from now till then. Um, he's, he's quite ground-dependent. We took a, took a chance running him down at Foss last just to see if we could uh, handle the ground, and he, he's very much uh, a horse which wants good ground. So, uh, yeah, he holds an entry. He's, he's out of the weights at the moment, um, and like I said, we'll just have to see what the, the ground does from now till then. But uh, if it you know, ended up being on the good side, then we'd potentially take, take a chance. But... Um, other than that, he's still a novice over hurdles, so we could sort of try and exploit that uh, angle as well with him if we, if, if, we, if we had to. So, But no, fantastic owners. They've been with me from the start as well. So, um, uh, and, and another little smashing horse to train for them. So um, he's given us lots of fun. 
And Sam, you've been uh, seen close up lots of stables. David Evans, I think you started off with. Venetia Williams, you were associated with for a long time. Paul Nichols, clearly, and Tom George, latterly. So you've seen horses uh, running really well for these strings and really badly for these strings. Yours are running really well at the moment. Can you analyse? Are you doing anything different? Is anything different happening? Have you got different ways of doing things or whatever, different facilities you're using that, that have that have changed things of late? Uh, I think what I'd say is that um, the summer last year we had the new round gallop put in. Uh, so last season was uh, not trial and error, but we're just sort of trying to work out the, the exact amount of work to, to be given the horses and um, potentially we're doing a bit too much with them and, and sort of, you know, they were fit when they were running early doors, but maybe weren't seeing the season out that well. So I think by the end of the last season, we sort of just had our system, which was just working. And then, you know, so the start of this season, we've stuck to it, you know, religi religiously. Um, and obviously it's working. Yeah, you know, we, we make sure we're just sort of sticking to that. And God forbid when, if the horses don't start running so well or, you know, things don't go well like they do in racing, at least I can come back to this period of time now and say, well, look, you know, what we're doing is right. So um, we can we can stick to it. But... I think what I've learned is is just to sort of not overdo it with the horses. We've got the round gallop, which is, which is very hard work, um, and um, you know we sort of alternate days basically from the hill to the to the sand, and um, yeah, it seems to work. I was lucky enough to ride out for, for Willie Mullins uh, before the sales, um, and I've sat, you know, I've been to Gordon's as well, and it's all well and good going to those big yards and saying, well, you know, we need to come back and do this and do that, but I think you just need to. Uh, make sure you do, you know, the best for your own facilities. You know, I think, like I say, it's all well and good saying, well, we'll do two miles on. The gallops, because that's what the other guys do. But I think whatever whatever facilities you have, you just need to make them work for for you guys the best as you can. Really, that's what the thing thing I've learned the most. And it, what struck me, what you just said there, was that you know that things don't always go right in racing. And we talked about those magic weeks with with Denman and Corto Star and Twist Magic, etc. But then, only a year later, um, and I'm going to make you grimace now, but people will remember. You know, when things weren't going right for, for Sam Thomas with Corto Star and Big Bucks at Newbury, etc. And I was sat on the floor quite a few times, you mean? Well, yeah, yeah unfortunately you were. And people, you, you're able, <laughs> and I, I take my hat off, my hat off to you for being able to smile about that now. But at the time you weren't smiling. I read an interview, you said you didn't cry the day that Big Bucks uh, came, came to grief at the last at Newbury. But you, you, by, by saying that, it must have crossed your mind. You know, I'm just trying to wonder what the emotion of, of those occasions is yeah, like, reflecting yeah. on it all these horrible, years later. Uh, horrible time and, um, yeah, just personally a horrible time and just something that you can never sort of, I could never get myself out of, if you like. You know, you're just sort of down in the dumps and you know you're not riding as well as you can and you should be, but it's all well and good saying that. But, you know, physically getting yourself to, to, to ride how you want to ride is was it was an impossible task really you know when your confidence is down you know there's nothing you can do about it really and um you know it's uh it's a tough old you know tough old gig and you know it just it is what it is really i think um it's a very tough sport on jockeys mentally and physically and um i think like to think nowadays things are improving and and sort of with the jockey coaches and things like that there's lots of support for young jockeys when things aren't quite going well which i think is fantastic but um you know, looking back at it now, I'm, I'm able to, like I say, you know, laugh about it and, you know, take it on the chin. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is, really. But, uh, like I say, I was very fortunate to be on those horses in the first place. And, um, you know, like I say, lots of good memories and bad ones, and I'll, I'll take them all. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Cruel Dubai.